Okay. This morning's scripture reading comes from Judges chapter 6, verse 17. Then he said to him, If now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. Praise God. Okay, we'll come, we'll come back to that scripture in a bit. Um, <clears throat> so many times, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm no different from you sitting here. I do many of the things that you all do. I have the issues that you all have, probably more so because the devil has a big sign on me because he would love to shut me down and stop me from preaching the word. <clears throat> so challenges in a, in a preacher's life many times can be more so than others. But many times when we pray for things or if someone says, well, Michael, why did you do that? Why did you make that decision? You know, many times in times past I'll say, well, I prayed about it. I prayed about it. Okay, and then I stop and deepen my heart of hearts and my spirit and deepen my spirit. I say, well, yeah, I prayed about it, but if God had answered this prayer and if what I did was of God, then why did it go so terribly awry? You know, why did things go wrong? You know, so what was laid on my spirit over the last week or so is that so many times we as Christians, as children of God, we are so quick to say, well, I prayed about it, and that kind of gives us license to do whatever it is that we feel that we want to do. So we need to, first of all, examine, you know, when we pray about something, how are we knowing that it's God telling us to take whatever that action is, and what checks and balances do we have, what verifications, you know. So before you start going to do something, you take that step and you say, well, I prayed about it, you know, that justifies to yourself to go on and do it. Or better still, or worse still, when someone says, well, why did you do that? You say, well, I prayed about it. And you almost get indignant. You almost get indignant because it's like, how dare you ask me why I did such a thing? I prayed about it. And I'm going to do it. And, and it's, are you sure you should do that? Well, I prayed about it. I'm going to do it anyway because I prayed about it. You know, and maybe someone is trying to give you a good word here and saying, take caution in where you're heading. You see, but because you prayed about it, you move on. So why don't we start with going to 1 Samuel. Okay, 1 Samuel. Okay, as usual, let's not go by my word or what I think. Let's go by what the Word of God says to us because the Word of God speaks to us about anything and everything that you can possibly think of in life. The Word of God is there as guidance to us. The Word of God is there, as I always use that kind of analogy, if you buy a new car, you look at the instruction manual. I hope you do anyway. Look at the instruction manual before you go repairing it, you know, because it tells you how to operate it. Well, our, the Bible is, is God's Word. Okay, to us and how to live a victorious life. So, as usual, I want to set this step by step, setting the stage, precept upon precept. So, let's go to Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3. And we're going to start with verse number 1. 1 Samuel 3, verse number 1. And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. This is because Israel had been sinning and all that sort of thing. So God had, had not spoken for a while, and there was no frequent vision. And it came to pass at that time when Eli was lying down in his place. Let me just pause there for a minute because something just came to me. I'm not reading all of the preceding chapters here, but this was because of all of the stuff where Israel had stopped listening to God. It is possible for us as Christians that if we persist in doing things that God would not have us to do, that you won't hear from him. Okay? That you won't hear from him. 
Because at times, at a point in, in life, God will just say, as much as I love this child of mine, I'm just going to have to step back and take my hands off. All right? So here in, in verse number two, and it came to pass at that time when Eli was lying down in his place and his eyes began to grow dim that he could not see. And before the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was and Samuel was lying down to sleep, that the Lord called Samuel and he answered, here am I. And he ran, now underline, and the Lord called Samuel, okay, the Lord called Samuel and he answered, here am I. Verse number 5 says, he ran unto Eli and said, here I am, for thou called me. And he said, I didn't call you, I called not, lie down again. And he went away and lay down. And the Lord called yet again Samuel, and Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, here I am, for thou did call me. And he answered, I called not, my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. Please underline or put a bracket around verse number seven. Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. And the Lord called upon Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, here am I, for thou did call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore, Eli said unto Samuel, go, lie down. And it shall be, if he call thee, and if thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Please underline that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, and really underline, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. Okay? So God was speaking to him, and Samuel didn't hear him. Samuel thought it was someone else, thought it was Eli calling him. Because at that point in time, Samuel did not know the Lord. Samuel did not know the Lord, you see. So it's possible then that for you, if God is speaking to you, that you might not recognize his voice. You see, this is not me dreaming this up. here. This is scripture, and you can see it happening right before you, okay? So now go to Judges 6, Judges chapter 6. Okay. At that particular point in time, he did not recognize. We know, we know that Samuel later on grew and became a, a, a man of God. And he had issues then later on. But at that particular point in time, when God was calling out to him, he did not recognize. He did not know his voice. So then, kind of again, when you're praying to God and when God is speaking back to you to take an action or not to take an action, do you recognize his voice? How do you know his voice? So that you don't wind up in that place. Well, I prayed about it. Amen. Amen. So we see it now in Judges chapter 6. We see some interesting events here. Now, this is about Gideon. And again, Israel is, is sinning. And Midian, Midian was, uh, was oppressing, oppressing Israel. And in chapter 6, we're just going to start at verse number 11. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak which was in Oprah that pertained unto Joash the Abyssalite and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. See, the Midianites had invaded and were taking over all of their property and lands, so they were hiding this wheat from the uh, Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. The angel of the Lord appeared and said unto him, The Lord is with you, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, 
Why then is all this befallen us? Sound familiar? Again, all right, underline that. If the Lord is with us, then why is all of this happening to us? Why is all this befallen us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up out from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. So put, put a bracket around 13 and in your margin write the word doubt. Like you hear now, God is speaking, this angel of the Lord, this messenger from God is speaking to him, and what is he's doing? He's speaking forth all of this doubt. If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Many times in our lives, things happen. That does not mean that God is not with you. All right? Many times things in your life will happen. It does not mean that God is not with you. All right? So then it goes on to say in verse number 14, And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent you? Please know the line, and thou shalt save Israel. Now he's telling him as, a, as one, one specific person to go, and you shall save Israel from the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh. I am the least in my father's house, no self-esteem. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. In verse number 15, again, we see him voicing doubt. Put the word, the word doubt in your margin there. And also he has no self-esteem. Here God is saying to him that you're going to achieve this, but again, he's expressing the self-doubt. So when there's something in your life that's coming down before you that is really tight and challenging to you, you're not sure how this is going to happen, you know, and you know God is telling you to go forth, don't let the devil put that doubt in your mind that you are not worthy or you're not strong enough, you're not capable of doing what God is telling you to do. He said, have I not sent you? You see? And many times in our Christian lives, you know, we'll feel that God is telling us to do something, is sending us someplace, but sometimes, many times, we all of a sudden lose, lose the confidence, all right? So then we, it continues on in verse um, 16 again. He says, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. 17, And he said unto him, and he, uh, and he said unto him, If now I have found grace in thy sight, then show me a sign that thou talkest with me. All right, please in the line that show me a sign that thou talkest with me. Now, here he is standing. He's hearing God's voice. He is saying, telling God, give me a sign that it's you that's talking to me. So, didn't he know? You see? Didn't he know that God was speaking to him? You see? And that's something that you need to ask yourself. How do you know when God is speaking to you? Here this angel appeared before him, and he's telling him all these things, you must go. But he says, give me a sign that I know it's you talking to me. All right? Verse 18 says, depart not from here, I pray thee, until I come unto thee, and bring forth my present, and set it before thee. And he said, I will tarry until you come back. Okay, now this is the angel saying that. I said, he'll wait. Gideon went in and made ready a kid, and, and unleavened cakes of an epash of flour. The flesh he put in a basket, and he put it in a broth in a pot, and brought it out unto him under the oak and presented it. And the angel of God said unto him, Take the flesh and the unleavened cakes and lay them upon this rock and pour out the broth. Then the angel of the Lord put forth the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the flesh and the unleavened cakes and there arose a fire uh, from the rock and consumed the flesh and unleavened cakes. Then the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. And when Gideon perceived that he was an angel of the Lord, Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face. You think? 
You think? I mean, after all that he did with the flesh and the staff and the things going up in the smoke, okay, finally he says, I think I saw an angel. And the Lord said unto him, Peace be unto you, fear not, thou shalt not die. Please in the line, Peace be unto you, fear not, thou shalt not die. Then Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom. Unto this day it is yet in Oprah of the Abezerites, okay? So we see here now, he was, he was still questioning whether or not this angel was indeed, you know, from God and whether or not he was speaking, okay? It gets even better. We're just going to jump down now to verse number 36. Okay, in between that, um, he's challenging Baal, uh, the, the uh, demonic ruler and things like that there. And in verse number 36, And Gideon said unto God, If thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said, behold, I will put a fleece of wool in the floor. And if the dew be on the fleece only, and it be dry upon all the earth beside it, then shall I know that thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said. All right, so Gideon is saying to God, give me a sign. And he's practically asking for an impossible task. He said, I'm going to put this piece of wool down, you know, let it be wet and dry. This is the one that's wet. Let it be wet. yeah, put a fleece of wool on the floor and the dew. And if the dew on the fleece only and it be dry around. Because he's going to do this a couple of times. All right. So this is the time where he's saying, let it be wet and all the ground around dry. So he's saying, God, give me a sign. So many times when we are asking God for something, how many times do we stop and ask God to give me a sign before I proceed? You know, we send up a prayer to God asking that we do something or that I get something or that I achieve something, you know. But then we move forward many times in thinking that this is God simply because I prayed about it, thinking that it's God, but not really verifying that it's him, you see. So before we start taking action simply because you prayed about something, that's only the first step, you know. The big mistake also that we as Christians make in praying from something, you know. How many of you realize that prayer is not a monologue? It's not, a, it's not, a, it's not a, a situation where you are doing all this fast talking to God. You're putting out everything that you want, everything that you want to achieve. And then it's like sometimes you get up off your knees and run before you get an answer back because like you're afraid what God might say. You see, prayer is a dialogue. Prayer is a dialogue, okay? Don't, do not ever get in the habit of simply saying, you know, Heavenly Father, da-da-da, and going on and saying whatever it's saying, in the name of Jesus, boom, and then you get up and then you go. Prayer is a conversation between you and God. It's getting into the heart and the mind of God. It's letting God know your thoughts and your deepest fears, your deepest concerns. It's letting God know why you think you might not be able to accomplish this task or achieve this thing or do whatever it is that you want to do, you know. So it has to be a back and forth conversation, you know. How many times were you in school and you went to your grade advisor or to your counselor? You didn't go into your counselor or grade advisor and said, I want to be a brain surgeon and get up and walk out. I mean, there was some back and forth discussion over whether or not that was even feasible, you know, in the first place. We had the wherewithal, but there was some conversation. Well, guess what? God is your counselor. Holy Spirit is your paraclete. He's your counselor. He's your comforter. So when you're, you're praying and you're asking God for something, you, this should be a conversation back and forth. Okay, so it says here now, so put, this, put the, the fleece on the ground and so on. Then it says in verse 38, And it was so, for he rose up early on the next day and thrust the fleece together and wrung the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. And Gideon said unto God, Let not thine anger be hot against me. Don't be mad at me, Lord. And I will speak this but once. Let me 
make a trial, a test, I pray thee, but this one more time with the fleece, let it now be dry only on the fleece, and upon all the ground let there be dew. So now he's being saying here, let it rain. That's like you putting a blanket outside, asking God to have it pour down rain, and the blanket is dry. Okay, the ground all around the blanket is wet, but the, but the, uh, is wet, but the blanket itself is indeed dry. Uh, it seems like an impossibility, but he's, he's asking God for some proof. And verse number 40 says, And God did so that night, for it was dry upon the fleece only, and there was dew, uh, and there was dew on all the ground. So, the illustration here is, first of all, Gideon, let me just tell you as a preacher and as a theologian, that this is not the best example of faith with Gideon. Because he was really, really challenging God almost to the nth degree. But it does illustrate a point, though, of a man who simply was not satisfied in thinking that he heard from God. He wanted some proof. He was saying, give me a sign. So we must do in our lives. It is critical. You're making critical decisions in your life, especially for the very big things in your life. I mean, I go to God about a hangnail. You've heard me say that before. I mean, uh, when I go to cut it off, as God... Guide my hand, I don't take off my thumb or something, you know. But I'm serious. I mean, you get in the habit of praying to God for the littlest things that when the big things come into your life, it's no, it's, it's no hassle for you, all right? You need to make sure that you're hearing from God. And many times, ourselves sound like God because ourself, yourself, is, is rarely going to tell you to do something that is against your will. If yourself is telling you to do something that's against your will, you've got some issues. <laughs> you know, I mean, then you're, you're, you're at a loghead and you're battling yourself. Usually yourself is telling you something that you want to do. So this thing that you're praying for, this bright, red, shiny, piney, uh, shiny Porsche that you saw down at the store, you know, and here you've got like a dollar ninety-eight in your bank account, and you think that you pray about this Porsche, and then you say, well, I prayed about it, and then you walk into the store to buy the thing, and the guy says, all right, how much money? He says, a dollar ninety-eight, and the guy says, well, that's not going to kid. And you say, well, I prayed about it, okay? God didn't tell you to walk into that store with a dollar ninety-eight in your pocket. You understand what I'm saying, okay? But many times we will do things after we pray for something because it's something that we want to happen. Something that we want to go on in, in our lives. And we want it so badly that in our own psyche, in our minds and whatnot, um, uh, it, it'll, be, you know, it'll say, that's God telling you to do that. Now, if you notice, I said, in our psyche and in our minds, we will hear that. All right? We're children of God, which means that we have a born-again, a saved spirit that is within us. We are a three-part being, a tripartite being, body soul, and spirit. Amen. The spirit, of course, is what is linked to God. Your mind is where your intellect is. It's your personality. It's where your emotions are. And, of course, your physical body is exactly that, your physical body. We have two places where we can make decisions, either in the mind or guided by your spirit. Your spirit, if you are communing with Holy Spirit and you're being guided by God, guided by God, and if you stop and think about this, you of all, I'm sure, have had an experience where you were about to do something to make a decision and something in here did not feel right. It did not feel right. Okay? Most likely, this was your spirit telling you, don't do that. Don't take that step because your spirit is in communion with Holy Spirit. Okay? But what happens is the mind rises up where your emotions are and your personality and you're saying, wow, that red Porsche would really be a cool thing. My girlfriend would be so, so impressed. My wife would be so impressed. 
If it's your wife, maybe not. And you go bringing a fancy bright red Porsche, all the money it costs, all right? But, but your mind rises up and starts rationalizing, which we as human beings are so good at doing, that this would be a good thing. So then we go and do that which the mind is telling us to do. Whereas perhaps the spirit, being linked with the spirit of God, was telling you don't do that, all right? So you go forth and you do what your mind is telling you to do. And then when things don't go right and someone asks you, the first thing you say is, well, I prayed about it. Okay? Yeah, you prayed about it, but you didn't listen to what God was saying back to you. Okay? So it's very important that as we go forth, especially into these times that are coming up, when there are so many challenges that are out there before, the, before us as Christians, and I won't get into, the, into you know, the current events thing much, but I mean, the, the, over there in the Middle East where that ISIS took over one of those towns there, they went in and they told the Christians, oh, don't worry, you can stay, you can stay, it, it'll be all right, it'll be all right. And then after they dropped their guard, they went back around and they told them, you have a couple of choices. Either you renounce Jesus Christ and come to Islam, okay, or you pay a tax, or you face death. Simple as that. So in the meantime, they decided to just stay there, so now they're in this quandary, you see. So I'm just saying, that's the state, do I ever think that will happen here in this country? God forbid. I certainly hope not. But what I'm saying to you, though, as a child of God and a Christian, you need to start learning how to follow God, pray to God, and then listen to God for an answer to the question, okay, for whatever your question is, all right? So now, moving forward, let's go to to 2 Timothy. We see there what what Gideon did with with asking the question. Moving forward now to 2 Timothy, chapter 3. You know, one of the... uh, one of the things where we, we have an advantage, so to speak, is that Samuel that we talked about and Gideon that we talked about didn't have the written word of God. They didn't have benefit of the Bible the way we do today. All right? We have the benefit of the Holy Bible, which is the sum total of God's word. And as we know, the Bible is a living word, so it's something that didn't get old, you know, with, you know, 2000 B.C. or something like that. It's a living word, and it applies very much today. So we can benefit from that. So Second uh, Timothy chapter 3, and we're going to start with verse number 14. But continue thou, continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast, take, thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith which is in Jesus Christ. Now listen to this. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Underline that, please. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine. Underline profitable. It's profitable for doctrine. For reproof, meaning for for checking and for proving, for verifying. For correction, for correcting us in the things that we may be thinking about doing or what we did, did do and shouldn't have done. And for instruction in righteousness. That what? That a man of God may be perfect thoroughly furnished unto all good works. All right? So this is now saying here now that we have Holy Spirit to minister to us, but we also have the written word of God, which is inspired by Holy Spirit. 
Right? These men, you know, 66 uh, chapters in this book, uh, as you've heard me say before, written over a period of some 1,500 years by, 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 by many, 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 many authors who did not know each other, and they all, there's a common theme going through the whole book. So this book is inspired, the real author, of course, is God, Holy Spirit. And that's where these words were written. That's where these words came from, you see. So this is there for guidance and for reproof from us, for us. So when we are setting up that prayer and we're thinking that we're hearing from God in the first place, God is never going to tell you to do something that is counter to his word. All right? If you can't find what God is telling you to do in the scripture, then more than likely you shouldn't think about doing that. You shouldn't. You see? And you say, well, 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 will that actual event be in there? Well, that actual event in terms of um, what the circumstances are. I mean, obviously, um, should I go to Chase Manhattan Bank? You're not going to find in Psalm 23, go to Chase Manhattan Bank. Amen? But you're certainly going to find the scriptures in there about how to make decisions, about looking at a lender, and so on and so forth, and all like that. So everything that we need to know is in that Bible. So when we are praying and we think we're hearing from God, before you go saying, well, I prayed about it, you think about and listen about what you think it is that you're hearing. Amen? So now go to Titus. Getting down to our last scriptures here, a couple of scriptures. Titus 1, which is the very next book over. Okay, Titus 1, and we're going to go with verse number 1. Titus 1, verse number 1. Paul a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness in hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, please in the line, God, who cannot lie, promised before the world began, but has in due times manifested his word through preaching, underline has manifested his word through preaching, uh, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. To Titus, mine own son, after the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior. All right. So what he what what uh, he's saying here, Paul is saying here, is that God cannot lie. You know, and the things that God is saying is also manifested through preaching. So that's another way that you can verify what it is that you think that you're hearing from God. You know, God is not going to speak to you in, in, in isolation in terms of, 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 of revelation, revealing to you what it is that he wants you to do. You know, God will many times speak through a person. It can come through a sermon. It can come through a message. It can come through your next door neighbor. It can come from somebody that in a way, is unlikely. But God will say something to you that will confirm what you are hearing uh, from God directly. You know, you've all heard me talk about, you know, my Genesis 12 thing. And a total stranger was sitting next to me on a train and out of the blue saw me reading the Bible. And he said, oh, Genesis 12, one of my favorite scriptures. And he went on talking about Abraham. And that Genesis 12 was the scripture that was given to us to, to make the, the great move out here. But what I'm saying to you is that God will confirm what you think you're hearing from him, but you have to, you, many times you need to say to God, God, this is what I think I hear you telling me. I'm going to take this step. Lord, if this is not the step you want me to take, then Lord, give me a sign. Give me a sign. You know, give me a sign. You know, and, and I know in, in times past I have actually prayed to the Lord, you know, I don't want to sound like Gideon. God knows who Gideon is, obviously. I mean, he wrote it, and I have actually said that to God. God, I don't want to sound like Gideon, Lord. It's not that I'm, I'm not, not trusting you, but I just need to know that this is you and not me that's thinking this, okay? 
because I know in me, I know how much I wanted to do that. You see, but I learned not to trust what I want to do because while it may have seemed like a good thing for me to do, it turns out it's not what God had in mind. You see, you see, and we have to do what God has in mind because God knows, God knows what's coming down the steps. You know, God knows what's coming next. You know, um, you, you ever play chess with yourself or checkers with yourself? All right. You cheat. You cheat. All right. Because inadvertently you wind up choosing one of the sides. I'm sorry. You wind up taking the black or the white or the red or the black. I'm sorry. Now, if you found a way you can do that without cheating, tell me because I'll try it again. All right. But I've done it over the years as a kid, as a teenager, as an adult and whatnot. And you make that move from the, the, the white, you know, you move the white, the right, the, the white, the nook or, or bishop or something. And then you turn the table around and you got the black on this side. Now, you know that you made the move with the white to win. So now you've got to decide, what am I going to do with this black move? Am I really going to defeat this white move, or do I go on my own? So it's hard to get back and forth, because why? You know the moves. You see, you know the moves. God knows the move for every single chess piece that's in your life. Every single chess piece, God knows the moves, you see. So while you may feel that this is a good move for you, God knowing what's happening down the line in weeks, years, days, months to come, God does not want you to take that move, you see. But we as human beings think that this is a good move. If I move here, I'm going to capture the queen and then the king. You think that's a brilliant move. God knows what's coming down the pike, you see. And then you go and you make that move, and then all of a sudden what happens is that everything blows up. And somebody says, well, why did you do that? And then what's the answer altogether? I prayed about it. (laughs) Okay, I prayed about it. All right, but did God tell you to do that, you see? So you need to ask God to, 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 to give me a sign. And then also you need to start saying, where is it in Scripture? Where is it in Scripture that, um, that I actually see this being, being told me? Last Scripture is here, John 10. John 10. It is so important that we learn how to, to stop listening only to ourselves, you know? Only to ourselves. And, and, and I mean, and this is it's such a, in every little walk of your life. Um, I think I may have, told, I got so many stories. I think I probably told you this one where um, I was going into a parking lot in a, at a strip mall. It was, it was Best Buy, I give them a commercial here. And uh, um, I went to park in this parking space and I distinctly had this feeling don't park there, don't park there. And I looked around and said, well, you know, just why not? You know, didn't think about it anymore. Went out and got on, went into the store, and did I had bought whatever I had to buy. And when I came back out, there was a uh, a big old truck that apparently had been there. A witness who left me a note and then later came back said that a big truck with one of those trailer hitches, those big knobs on the back, backed into the space in front of me and rammed the front of my car. Okay, and took off. So the person left me the note and all of that stuff like that. But what I'm saying to you is that in reflection, I know that was Holy Spirit telling me don't park there. But there was no reason why I could see. There was no one there. The space was vacant. There was no reason I shouldn't park there. All right. But had I listened, I probably would have parked someplace else. And that truck probably would not have hit me. You see, 
And I never forgot that. Never forgot that. And to this day, when I drive into a parking lot, if I get a little unction in here, don't park here, don't park here. I won't park there. I'll just go someplace else, you see. But I'm saying that to you, that you've got to get to the place where you hear and you listen to Holy Spirit giving you these unctions in the pit of your stomach. Because many times it's God telling you, don't do this and don't do or do this. If you're not sure that it's just gas, <laughs> okay, then when you get home, you need to go to the Bible and you need to pray. Lord, I think you told me, to use again the parking space, Lord, I think you were telling me don't park in that parking space. Or, Lord, you're telling me this is what I need to do. Lord, I think I should see this person. Lord, I think I should stop seeing this person, whatever. And, Lord, if I'm mishearing you or misinterpreting this, then give me a sign. And give me a sign. All right? Okay, I'm not saying to go buy yourself a fleece or a blanket and start throwing it down. Okay, you know, say, God, make it rain on this blanket. But I'm saying, but there's a way. I mean, God is a very practical God. God looks at your heart. He knows the intention. And when he sees that you are wishing to do his will, but you are just not sure and you want God to, to kind of prove it to you, that makes God very, very proud because it shows that you're wanting to trust him. You want to trust him, but you're just saying, but Lord, I just want to be sure that it's not you. That is a far cry better than you hearing God, thinking it's God, and then just going off on your own and doing it, because then who's doing it? It's self. You're puffed up in self, and you're thinking that you're God, in essence, because you made a decision. You see? And the bad part about that, unfortunately, is that many times us Christians, we Christians, when we do that, and things go wrong, you know, after we say, I prayed about it, we go and we blame God. We get mad at God. Actually, get mad at God because things went wrong. You see, well, I prayed about it, Lord, and that's what you told me to do. You see, and many times, if you're really sharp and astute and you're really, really praying, God will tell you and say, oh, no, I didn't. God will tell you that. He'll say, oh, no, I didn't tell you to do that. I told you to do this. You decided to do that. You see? But we'll blame it on God and we'll say, well, I prayed about it. That was the answer that I got. I went forward and the whole thing failed. And then we throw up our hands. We blame God. God. God deserted me like they were saying here. God deserted me. God didn't desert you. You weren't listening. Amen. So in the closing scriptures here, John 10, and we're going to start with um, verse number 25. Okay. Jesus answered them. Well, let's go to 24, verse 24. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, see, this is where everybody wants a corner on the market. If you be the Christ, tell, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you believe me not. But you believe me not, because you are not my sheep, as I said unto you. Okay? All right? You believe me not. Some Christians, some Christians just don't know the word. They don't know the word of God, you know, and so therefore they just don't believe it when they even hear it. Jesus is saying to them, I told you and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me, but you believe not, because you are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep, underline verse 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. 
Okay? So if you're a sheep, if you're one, if you're a child of God and you know Jesus, then you're going to know his voice. So when you're praying, you're setting up that prayer. That's why I was saying before that prayer is not a monologue. It's not where you sit down for 15 minutes or a half hour or even 45 minutes and you're praying and it's a one-way dialogue going up. Then you don't listen back to hear what God is telling you. Okay? Because if you listen intently, you know it's God telling you to do that, to do this or not to do it. You know? And many times when you're praying, guess what? Guess what? To your surprise, you may get a no. It's not a novel thought. You may get a no. Maybe God is not in agreement with you. Whoa, God wouldn't agree with me when I want this and I deserve to have it? Well, what did I tell you about the chess game? About the pawn pieces in your life where God knows what's happening on happening down your life. Maybe God does not want you to have that or to go there or to do this because there's something better coming down the pike. There's something better, you see? But anyway, but Jesus said here, he says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Okay? Now, that's a powerful statement there. It said that Jesus has given you eternal life. And if you've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, then you have, and you believed in your heart when you made that acceptance, um, then you, you, he's promised you eternal life. And then more importantly, he says, No man can take you out of Jesus his hand. All right? So I mean so that's an awesome statement right there that that's an awesome thing for us to remember when we're starting to feel um, dejected, when we're feeling like we're failing, when we're feeling like things are just not going wrong, we feel like oh my gosh, the sky is just collapsing on me. Well, guess what? What you have in Jesus is eternal and no man can take that from you. Not, not no one can take that from you. Amen. Amen. So and then he goes on to say, and listen to my sheep hear my voice. Um <clears throat> Um, I give them eternal life, and uh, no man can take them out of my hand. Verse 29, my father who gave them to me is greater than all. Please note, I my father who gave them to me is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. I, I don't know if you understand how powerful that is and what an assurance that should be to you. God is greater. There is none other. Nothing. No one greater than God. And if you have a red-letter Bible, meaning that these words are written in red, that's, these words are spoken by Jesus, all right? So he's saying that my Father who gave them to me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hands. So that means that no one can take you out of God's hands, okay? No one can take you out of God's hands, all right? However, just be aware, though, we can kind of take ourselves from under God's protection by being disobedient, and not listening to what he's telling us to do. Amen. Because what did God say earlier on? He said, I, I can't lie. So God made certain things, you know, as, as surely as certain um, things in physics are immutable or unchangeable. God's word is immutable. It's unchangeable. No one can change what God has, has, has put into motion. And then, I and my father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, Many good works have I shown you from my father. For which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, saying For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy. And because that thou, being a man, makest thyself God. Okay, and we're just going to stop there. And I mean, they did not hear his voice. They did not know who he was. They did not hear him. They even accused him of speaking blasphemy because he was speaking truth. Okay, you're speaking truth. So in closing here, all that we just need to remember is that when we're praying to God, first of all, prayer is not a one-way event. It's a two-way dialogue. You need to sit and listen, and, and what do you hear God telling you to do? 
And then when you do hear God telling you to do something, then confirm it in Scripture if you're not sure, you don't understand it. Find it in Scripture. It, it'll be there. And then also, you know, as you're going about your business, and if you really ask God to give me a sign, okay, that means you look and you listen for a sign. The sign is not necessarily going to come to you on a Sunday morning. I mean, you may hear it. You may hear it in a, in a sermon. I mean, many times, you know, I've been told that a sermon will, 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 will uh, uh, confirm something that was, was said or what have you, you know. But it doesn't necessarily have to come through preaching, as Paul was saying to Titus. It doesn't, you know, it, it may come through preaching, but it may also be through someone else. It may be through a stranger. It may be through an event. You know, I saw someone preaching on TV that said the words that I had heard in my heart, you know, the exact words that I heard and someone someone out there is not trusting God for Abraham Genesis 12 and I said oh oh that sounds like they're talking to me okay and so what I'm saying to you is to listen listen intently try the spirits not every spirit is from God not everyone that is telling you to do something is necessarily from God there are people that you may think may be your friends, your loved ones, or what have you, and they may think they have your best of intentions in heart, but they could very well be telling you something that is contrary to what God wants you to do. Amen? 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 So get to the point that you're, you're trusting Him, you're asking questions, so that the next time, if something goes wrong, that you're not just simply there saying, well, I prayed about it. Amen? Praise God. I pray this message has been a blessing to you. Now, before we close, let us prepare to honor God with our tithes and offerings.